Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast, Episode 64. It's Kaylin Amadio, the Boomer Gal, and I'm here with another great guest this week. I want to introduce you to Rabbi Richard Address. Address. See, I just went through it with you. I, it's so funny, people. I asked, <laughs> I asked him whether I should say address or address, and see, I'm thinking too hard about it, so I'm getting, I'm getting mental blocks. That's right. Just, it's, but he just, promised me he would answer to either. Just so say it's, Richard. It's a lot easier. <laughs> there we go. Rabbi Richard, I'll say. So for many years, Richard has worked with reformed synagogues around the country, coping with issues of aging, and conducted thousands of workshops and counseling sessions in these life issues. Uh, Rabbi Address's website is jewishsacredaging.com, and it's a web resource devoted to the issues that come up when dealing with aging parents, issues of baby boomer aging, and health and wellness issues of aging with a Jewish spiritual perspective. So his book, I want to give you the name of his book too. It's called Seekers of Meaning, Baby Boomers, Judaism, and the Pursuit of Healthy Aging is still available on Amazon.com. So you can always go look it up. So Rabbi Richard, welcome to Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast. How are you? Nice to be with you. I am good, and thank you for your time. I always appreciate it when my guests um, make time for me and my audience, so thank you very much. Now, I gave people just a slight overview of uh, who you are, but I always give my guests an opportunity to expand on that if they want to, and I never stop them from admitting whether or not they, too, are a baby boomer. I'm on the, the front end. The front, I was born in the very, 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 very beginning so, um, uh, yeah, the front end of, of, of the baby boomer generation, which has right. now, as you know, been eclipsed by the millennials. Yes. Uh, yeah. I heard that recently. They're a larger uh, generation. Does that, I'm not sure if I heard that it's a longer in terms of years or they have a larger population than we do. Well, I think they're, they're being categorized from 18 to 30 uh, as okay. that cohort. Okay. Um, so, um yeah, so we're now we're number two now. We're now number two, and from we're not, we're not used to that. <laughs> no, it, and it's probably psych, psychically driving us crazy. Um, but we, they'll, they'll pay. Yes, they'll, and and but they're still listening to our music, which makes it even better um, for some reason. Because and, it was better. And that's absolutely true. My youngest son is seventeen, and his room is decorated with Beatles memorabilia. Well, no, listen, you know, it's, it's the funniest thing in the world is when I go out and I'll give a talk and. There'll be some younger people in the audience, and I'll mention the Beatles or LPs, and they'll look at me like, "What's an LP?" But vinyl's coming back, so uh. isn't that something? What goes around comes around. It's true in fashion and music, absolutely everything. It's, it's however, very funny. However, if polyester suits come back, I'll I'll leave that go. Yes, leisure suits. Uh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine them coming back. I actually wore a leisure suit on the pulpit once when I was a young rabbi. And, and it was Los Angeles in the 1970s, and it fit right in. It, it fit right in. Thank <laughs> it God. It would be too hot now. All that synthetic. Oh, my God. You know, fabric. It, that would not be nice. Oh, many, many a, 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 a dump is filled with polyester that probably will be there at the end of the world. Yep, yep. Well, they. I think, um, what's that fabric that's been popular for, 
for a while. It's sort of, it's got the texture of velour fleece. I guess they call it fleece. It's made out of um, recycled soda bottles. Really? You know, the plastic bottle. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's plastic, basically. That means if you get thirsty, you can. You could uh, lick your sweater, I guess. I'm not sure bad, that that'll help. It's a bad Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> So you mentioned uh, that you you do speaking engagements. Oh yeah, a lot, a lot. Right, and you you know you work with groups of people. Do you do you find that they're mostly baby boomers, or do you have all age ranges? And and if so, are the boomers different to engage with in any way? They're predominantly, and, and I in my work around the country, um, when I go out and speak, uh, it's predominantly people over the age of fifty uh, because. The focus of when I got what I get asked to talk about really is the spiritual challenges and familial issues that are dealing with baby boomers and our families. So really, that it's a targeted audience. Um, so, for example, I'm on my way in a couple of days to do a, a, a workshop in Long Island that the colleague there has titled the Three Quarter Life Challenge. That really to talk about, you know. You're 55, 65, 70. The challenges are significantly different. Their family systems issues, their personal issues, their really meaning of life issues, and their really right. mortality issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's that's basically the 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 overview. Okay. So let's see if we can get a little more specific. If you could give us three of your best tips for dealing with life after 50 or after 60 or you name you name the cutoff well, you know dealing with all these different issues we have to face what would be your top three tips for us to keep in mind as we continue to navigate through our lives well you know based upon what i've seen in the last couple of years and just talking to people either in workshops or in in just doing some personal one-on-one -on -one I guess you would call it counseling or conversations with people. First of all, there there is this um, time in our generation's life where something seems to shift, and we we start to really talk about our own meaning, sense of meaning. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the realization of our own mortality, right? And the what I call the spiritual issue, um, which is part of this whole package. And that spiritual issue is really time. Um, you know, you, you, you turn around and you're 62, 65, 68, 70, you transition perhaps from full-time work into something else. Mm -hmm. Um, and God willing, uh, you, you have maybe 20, 30 years. It's not unusual. Uh, of life left. And the, so the spiritual real question, what, what am I going to do with 20, 30 more years of life? My kids are grown, mm -hmm. uh, although they, they're still there. And they and if you, you're always involved with them and grandchildren, if you have them, if you have that. Um, so that the, the whole meaning thing, uh, time thing. And, and the other tip that has really emerged um, in the last two years of, of workshops and also on the radio show that I do every week here in the greater Philadelphia and it's it's streamed live it just focuses on boomer issues is is how do I begin to make a plan uh, for my for the rest of my life care plans right 
you know, um, uh, end of life plan? How do I begin to have those conversations? How do I begin to even understand for my own self? What do I want? Who do I want to take care of me? Uh, what financial issues? The two wild cards in all of this. Uh, uh, one wild card is money and one wild card is health. If you can maintain financial security and health, you're in pretty good shape. But there, And I call them wild cards because I'm a sports fan and, and so that's something I understand. It's basically the only thing left in America that I understand is sports. <laughs> um, but they can go in a minute, and you know, you know, I'm sure you've had enough people on the show right. to know that if one of those things happens to ha have a glitch, everything in life then changes. Mm -hmm. So, so when when people, the bulk of our generation either is right now, has been, or definitely will be involved in in caregiving, right? And, and if you've walked that walk as I have, and I'm sure many of the people who are listening to this have you know that those two wild cards are fundamentally basic because health and 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 the finances are amazing one of the one of the issues that keeps coming up again and, and as far as a tip is concerned is what i call the economics of aging because because it it, it if you're not of that one percent right we're all one medical emergency away from real crisis yes. real yeah you're right. so that goes to the whole planning thing, um, Kaylin. That, that you know, I, I, I've interviewed some financial people on the radio show, and they keep reminding us you need three to six months liquidity to be up tomorrow to walk in. Now, most people don't have that. Most most boomers don't have enough saved for thirty years of retirement. It's this is, and nobody's talking about this. This is a real major issue. Yeah, it is, and our generation is so large. See. My three children, I'm at the very, uh, I'm at the opposite end of the boom, right? I'm, I was born in 63, and I think the baby oh. boomer generation ends in 64. Right, you're, yes, your child. So, so I'm anchoring, I'm the caboose, I'm at the caboose, you're at the engine. And, um, you know, all three of my children, my three sons are millennials, right? And I see them, you know, their generation's different. And yes, you know, generations like to complain, you know, about one another, kids today, you know. And all of that, but I see them struggle to find their way in the world, and I know that part of that struggle is different for them than it was for me when I got out of college. It was very easy to get a job. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's, very it's... easy. And everybody didn't go to college. You know, it was special to to go to college. Whole different world. It's a whole different world for them, and the fact that we, a large generation, are not retiring in the same way that our parents did. Oh, no. At that same younger age, we continue to work. Some of us can never imagine retiring. We'll never be able to afford it. Right. Or we just don't want to not work anymore. And meanwhile, there's this huge generation at the other end um, who needs to move into these jobs, you know, and they need to buy housing and they need to start their lives. And, and I think in many ways we're blocking them from doing that. The whole the whole economics of this thing, you know, it's mind boggling um, tied to the economy. I just was having a conversation with a colleague of mine um, today, actually, about some of this, because it, in, even in the rabbinate and in the Jewish professional world, and I don't think it's that much different from the other other denominations and other faiths, um, you you have 
people who congregations, institutions who instead of high, they'll downsize, they'll go out and hire a millenni- three millennials to do what one full-time colleague was doing. They'll do it cheaper on a contractual basis without benefits, just like corporate America in right. many ways. And it really the whole nature. One of the I've had this conversation a little bit with my children who are Gen Xers, and 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 my daughter more than anybody else because she's heavily into to more or less corporate world. They're beginning to understand they may not have the same standard of living that we enjoy, and uh, they don't know what to do about it. And um, and a lot of our generation, instead of just saving and say, okay, well, after I die, we'll give it to you, we're spending that inheritance because we right. want. We're li- yeah, we're living longer. Right. We, we want to go on the. We want to climb Machu Picchu, and we want to go on the the the, the trip to uh, to South America, or and. It's a different world, and it's just and it's just happening now. There's no precedent, and we have a generation because of what we've seen with our parents, uh, who really pushed the frontier into longevity. But I think if you if you and you probably talk to all these boomers all the time, we kind of expect in our heart of hearts to live well into our 80s and 90s. This is why the two wild cards of money and health are so important. Right. We, we expect that. We expect, we may not have enough money to do that. And the fear of losing, the fear of outliving our money is, is for some people in our generation very real. It is very real. And um, unlike our parents who, who could turn around and look to us and think that maybe we'd be able to help them, um, I, don't, I don't think I'll be able to turn around and ask my children to help me if I needed it, right? God forbid, because they're they're not able. Like you said, they may never get to the same economic status that my husband and I have been able to build to. It's it's right? very true. I already know in uh, of the three children that we have, I already know who. If God forbid, I ever needed help, I, there's only one who would probably really step up. Right. And and that's my daughter. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a knock against the other two. It's just that, you know, and all the caregiving statistics, uh, you know, the AARP statistics, National Alliance Family Caregiving statistics, they've all done these studies. And, you know, they've analyzed there is a typical caregiver in the United States. And it's a woman in her late 40s who's working and caring for an adult parent. And it's 70 percent. It, it, it's a woman. It's the designated caregiver. Um it's fast. This stuff is fascinating stuff. It, we, it really is. We could end up, you know, talking through talking through all sorts of aspects of this. Now, in in spite of a little bit of the doom and gloom, sorry, folks, a little bit of the doom and gloom we've sort of been identifying. What do you think is the biggest challenge that we're facing, Rabbi? The, the, there, I, I'm not a doom and gloomer because actually this is. I mean, the statistics are. You can look at the statistics out of a variety of different ways. But the baby boom generation has really transformed this culture. Yes, we have. And we're continuing to transform this culture. And I think that's the concept of creativity and evolution and personal growth. When I teach this, I use basic biblical text, which which sort of like give a foundation and a guideline for this. But in truth, um, the whole uh, – and you see this in a variety of different uh, – Thomas's. Uh, disrupting aging mode and the Encore group, uh, Mark Friedman's group, um, all this stuff that's happening all over the country, the positive aging movement, 
um, there's a real sense that as long as you know, if I, as I stay healthy, um, this is an amazing time for really achieving goals, uh, realizing dreams, dreaming dreams, transitioning, uh, real uh, uh, acting out, doing things that I want to do, giving back. There's a huge in the baby boom generation, what I call yeah. give back syndrome, mm-hmm. that I want to give something back to my community. I don't want to sit in the church or the synagogue stuffing envelopes. Right. But I, I, I do want to go and build houses with Habitat. Mm-hmm. And I do want to do things that will help people and get involved with my community. And I think you're start, we're starting to see that. So there's a real positive energy um, that, interestingly enough, in many ways, isn't recognized on the political level uh, and sometimes institutional level. And it's going to be very interesting to see in November how the boomers vote and as opposed to the millennials, if the millennials stay home, it's going to be very, very, it's a real transition that we're, we're dealing with right now. Yeah, the statistics after the election are going to be fascinating. I've said to, to my children and to my friends, I really hope that all these millennials who got so fired up because of Bernie Sanders primarily and came out and really started to participate in the process for the first time. Right continue to do that that they don't stay home that they don't say oh my guy didn't you know get the nomination so the heck with all of this i really hope they stay engaged in the process because it's so important you know regardless of whether you're a republican or a democrat or a, a liberal or a conservative or a libertarian whatever your deal is it's important to stay engaged in the process well especially now for our generation um because of the Social Security, Medicare issues, um, you know, depending on who you read and what day you read it, the fund is either going to go out or go broke in, the, in 2030, which is not that far away. I mean, you know, and people talk about 2050 as a, as a key transition moment. It's not that far away. Um, but also there's a, a slow trickle of legislation now being introduced on federal and state levels for tax credits for family caregivers. Um, there are increasing numbers of states, uh, and this is all driven by the boomers need to control things, increasing number of states, the latest being California, that are dealing with um, choice and dying legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is all part of who our generations push now to say we need to exercise more control over even our own aging and even our own death, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're real political social justice issues uh, at stake here that hopefully after the election will get addressed because right now they're, right. nobody's talking about them substantively. But real, real major issues for our generation for the next 20 to 30 years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So for all of the people who have been listening to us pontificate about being, <laughs> about being boomers today, um, you know, there's a vast range of things that you've been talking about. The two biggest, you know, cornerstones being your your health and your finances, you know. And if you have those under control, then there's a lot beyond that that you can begin to plan and do. What do you think should be the first step someone should take right now? If they're saying, oh, okay, it's true, I am getting older. I am definitely in this generation. I'm really not sure what I should do about it. I don't know what I want to do, you know, over the next 30 years. There's a lot of questions to answer. What would you have them do first? 
I, I think from what I'm beginning to understand more and more and more, and I'm personalizing this as well, so you know, because I'm in the middle of living it. I think if if people our generation can begin to quietly sit down and have a conversation, a real conversation with themselves and their family about how we're going to deal with the cons- the the cons- the issues of the next couple of years. Uh, hopefully, everything is fine, but we can't. You know, all of us have probably of an age now and boomers where we've seen friends and family members where the wild cards of health are are lost and and it it shakes you up. And and I think the, if, if we can start having this conversation with members of our family, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very difficult. Um, but you know, as a as a as a clergy person, and I'm sure every clergy person you, if you ever interview them, will validate this. When you deal with people who who don't have plans and a crisis occurs, that's not the time to make decisions. Right. Um, that if you can have conversations about caring and end of life issues and contingencies, and um, and I'm not saying it's easy. Very very difficult because it goes against our grain and. Um, but that's some place that really is important to start with. I, I, I'm really convinced of that more and more and more. Okay, and you're right. It you know it is a hard conversation, but uh, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. It's often important to begin with the end in mind. Yeah, and right? and that's kind of what what you're talking about. You know, face a, the facts. What does the end look like? And now let's backtrack to now. And it's a process. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, most people say, well. They have these programs that are having a conversation and, you know, it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that gradually occurs and uh, with a family. Yeah, because you might not have all the answers either. You, you, there might be a lot of questions. You go, you know, I haven't really thought about that. And, and how do I feel about it? And what are my choices? And what do I want? And there's tons of resources, too, available. The, the, the other issue that is, that's come up really that this was brought to me by a, a student of mine in one of the classes I teach uh, in an adult learning uh, uh, environment, she came up to me one day about six months ago after class and said, you know, all the conversation in the class in the last couple of days about these types of issues have assumed that people have families and children. And she looked at me and she said, I'm 70 years old. I've never been married. I have no children. I have no family. What about me? Because I'm alone. Mm-hmm. And it really hit me. She was very honest. And to prove how important it is, I asked her to write a reflection on this for my website. We published it in, in January. Within the space of three weeks, okay, she had over 3,000 hits. I, I was shot. Now she writes regularly for me. Like, <laughs> good. That's, it's great. It's great. But I think that's a really important because we assume that everybody fits into a, a sort of like a mob. Yeah, a mold, yeah. And they don't. Right. And, 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 and there's so many issues. So many of our generation are second marriages mm-hmm. or third. Yeah, there's, blend, yeah, there's blending. Yep. They're cohabitating without marriage. Mm-hmm. They're adult children. There's so many variables um, that have to be considered. Even I was talking to a colleague today. Even even in the premarital counseling, when you, when a when a clergy person sits down and says and does premarital counseling with a, kids in their thirties, you know, first marriages, there's a 
you know, I'm dealing with a couple now. Well, there's a there's a standard, you know, they, you know what to expect, you know, some of the things to ask. But if a couple walks into you at 68 and 64 and they're, you know, maybe widowed or divorced and their children are grown and their estates may be settled and they're getting married. But with that premarital conversation has to go a lot of stuff about well, how are we handling finances? How are you handling wills or estates vis-a-vis your adult children? Mm-hmm. Because if you, I guarantee you, every rabbi, priest, minister who's had to walk this walk with families will can give you chapter and verse as to that not everybody gets along. And when it comes to money and some of these other issues, there's some real issues there. So yeah. it's it's, yeah. Diff- it's just different. We're different. This age of transition um, that the, we've created, it's fun. It's fascinating. It's 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 we're breaking new ground on all these different levels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, you're giving me a lot to think about. And I know, I know you have something to do at the top of the hour. People don't know exactly what time it is that we're pre-recording this, but I want to make sure that, uh, you can make your next appointment. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Give us your website again. Is, is it jewishsacredaging.com? It's www.jewishsacredaging.com. That has the list of everything, how to get in touch with me. Uh, there's the Jewish Sacred Aging Facebook page. You can go on Facebook okay, okay. and we cross post a lot of the articles. <clears throat> the radio show gets cross posted, the wet, the podcast. And we also started in January, uh, March, a, a specific Jewish Sacred Aging series of podcasts that just are specific to, um, the Jewish community. Uh, the radio show, um, is very, very general, very like today, um, the first set of guests we're talking about this this guy who lives I think around the corner near you, uh, uh, music and memory he created the podcasts, uh, uh, the iPods for Alzheimer's and dementia patients, oh. and there's 3,100. Uh, you should have him on the show, Dan Cohen. He's right around. He's he's in your area. So we had a facility uh, here in Philadelphia, and there's 3,100 facilities. Dan was saying that they take an iPod. Um, they, somebody walks in, they, they put their music, uh, that the family says, you know, dad loved forties, big band music. Right. And they have shown that the music, uh, really has changes the modalities of people who are dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's. So, uh, and then the second guest was on, uh, mindfulness. She works, she helps run the mindfulness program at the university of Pennsylvania here, which is a huge program. So um, those are more secular, general, and right. they're, pod- they're all on the website, jewishsacredaging.com, and the Facebook page of Jewish Sacred Aging. And it, just out of curiosity, my own curiosity, because um, this podcast is a second podcast for me. I did an, an online, an internet radio show for many oh. years that is now um, not live anymore. It's now post-edited in the same way that Boomer's Ultimate Guide podcast is. So I'm curious, is your radio program, you have a podcast, but is the radio program uh, traditional terrestrial radio? Oh, yes. It's over the air. It's a station here in Philadelphia, WWDB, and then it streams live. We air it Tuesday mornings. So, um, yeah, so it's a regular, like, over the air. Right. You never know anymore. There's so so many options and so much technology. No, no, no. My web guy keeps trying to teach me all this, and I say, fine, I'm having enough trouble keeping all this straight. (laughs) 
I know we, we have a lot of options today. It's so great. It's great. It's it great. is great. And I love it. You know, I'm a technology geek, so, you know, it fascinates me and I love getting into it and uh, understanding it. Um, I hear that. So for those of you who are listening and or watching, remember, I always tell you that you can come back to Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast dot com. Uh, and find these links again. So if you're on the treadmill, I always say don't get off the treadmill because remember health is one of those pillars we want to make sure we take care of. Um, and if you're driving, you can't write it down. I don't want you trying to write it down. Just wait till you're, uh, you're able and you can come back to the website and you'll, I'll, I'll publish this link for you to his website, to uh, Rabbi Richard's website jewishsacredaging.com and I want to give you the name of his book again which you can um, still find at Amazon it's called Seekers of Meaning Baby Boomers Judaism and the Pursuit of Healthy Aging so you can always check that out as well as the website and um, before I let you go even though I love talking to you about all this this fascinating boomer related stuff um, would you like to share an inspirational story or a, a quote that you find meaningful before I let you go? Well, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stories. There's a couple of quotes that just came to mind. Um, there's a quote from a colleague, uh, who, who basically says, who wrote, um, and I use this in some of the bioethics workshops that we do and making decisions at the end of life workshops that the, the quantity of life rests with the hands of God, but the quality of life rests with us. And the other one that I'm very, very fond of is from a book called uh, uh, The Spirituality of Imperfection. And in the middle of the book, there's a little riff, and then the authors say uh, a, that, that life is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be lived. Mm. And, the first, and I read that, and I always, when I read it, it was one of those things in the book, you underlined it with red and, you know, post-it notes on it. Right. Turn the dog ear the page. Yeah. I think the older I get and, and the more, you know, we live life, um, that concept of understanding that life is a mystery and to live it and to experience it to its fullest, no matter where you are in life and in what condition, that's a tremendous message. It's a, both a spiritual message. It's a mm -hmm. personal message, but I think it's something that our generation really um, has taken to heart to live life as a mystery and just let it unfold. Right. Yeah. Discover it as you go along. I like that. That's, that's a really good way to look at life. Rabbi Richard address. Thank you. It has been wonderful meeting you today. Well, thank you. My pleasure. You take care and, and have a great summer and, and stay healthy. Thank you. And you as well. And those of you listening, this has been the boomers ultimate guide podcast where on Tuesday afternoons, we give you a new episode with great guests like Rabbi Richard address 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 i had to think about how i say that word there are so many words since i left kansas that i've learned to say differently because i live in i've now lived in new york longer than i i lived in kansas yeah. and i do confuse myself from time to time because it comes out naturally one way and then i correct myself and then i i get befuddled what Don't can i tell that. you <laughs> but <laughs> thank you for putting up with my befuddlement I appreciate it. And we those of you out there, understand. <laughs> those of you out there, that's another episode for you. We'll see you again next time. And until then, you know that I would very much like you to take care.
Boom, baby. That's it for now. See you next time on Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast.